Welcome to Biggest Geekest. We're your host. I'm Randy. And I'm Joe. This is episode 173 of the show, and the date is Tuesday, January 9th, 2024. The day Biggest Geekest pisses everybody off. <laughs> well, to, to be honest, I did make a bit of a clickbaity, inflammatory type uh, title, oh. um, calling the bro SR stupid. Yep. But, you know... Um, I had an interaction with uh, the bro SR, the bro of bro SR folks on the Twitter. Jeffro guy, the Jeffro yeah, guy, Jeffro, 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 mm -hmm. and it was not great. It started fine, and then he was like, "This is the only way you can play," and you know, maybe that was him trolling, but um, that just made me not want to not interact with the guy, so I just ignored it. And yeah. the whole bro SR thing. And general. I think that's the that's the only bias in the clickbaity title. But we'll we'll get to that in a minute. Um I don't I didn't game this week, did you, Joe? No. No. Last time we game was New Year's Day. Um but uh other than that, I had my first first couple days back at school, a couple more days to go. I am gonna take off Monday because you know I need to rest after this hard four day work week. So it's best that I get another day off. Hey, phone guy and everybody else. Um, unfortunately, there was a bit of um, name calling. We should really put a stop to that. Yeah, don't name call people. It's really. Yes, they piss you off. You can tell them to screw off. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, we're going to get I'm going to comment. Um, I don't know. Lee Adamson, OCF Retro Computing. Patty does. They had a long discussion with a few other people before we even got started. And I thought it was really good. I mean, he made some good points. What's up, T-shirt? T-shirt. Hey man, glad you're here. Um, I, I'm, well, I guess we ought to jump into it and just start with that because everybody wants to talk about it. Okay, so <laughs> my react, my um, interaction on Twitter was essentially some dude saying there's only one way to play and it's their way to play, yeah. and you know, how many of us really? you know, give any credence to crap like that. Hopefully well, I, not many. I think that's the problem. I, I, and I really wish um, Lee was here to, to defend himself, but actually, no, I wish he was just here to comment because he made some good comments that I thought were. Um, they were measured and good. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. He missed a comment. He said um, one comment was here. He said way back. I suspect that Joe is not a bro SR fan. Yeah. Because of his encounter. I'm not for a couple of reasons. Um, not just the one-to-one -one time, which I think is weird, but I understand. Lee explained it, and I kind of understand what they're doing. But to me, it's kind of weird that they would do a one-to-one -one timekeeping only outside of the game. Um, if you're going to do it, then do it, right? But I guess for, forgive that. Fine. Do what you're going to do. Um, but uh, he says, I kind of wonder if the BroSR perspective and what they're trying to accomplish will be communicated adequately. I don't think it has to be. It's going to be a bigger part of the show than I had planned because I can tell everybody's really into it. But. Honestly, I just I don't, don't. I don't know what they're trying to accomplish in a broad sense. Well, and, I, and to be honest, I don't care. I'm going to summarize. I don't want to post it. I would have posted a lot of his comments if we didn't have so many people and I had to hunt them down because Lee had some good, really reasonable takes. Um, it seems like they try to set up a West March style of game so that when you're out, of, when you don't play at the table and you're away, I think it's more like. Uh, they want, they got a lot of people playing. So if your character's off doing a mission for four days, which is, this is weird to me, but I'm trying to grasp it. So 
if you, if you finish the adventure, you literally have to wait four days till you can come back, or maybe it's four days pass. And so, um, oh, wow. David Gwill says, if you, from what a bro stated, the one-to-one is only out of the dungeon, and if you end ses- a session in the dungeon, you basically die. I mean, dude, if you want to pull that kind of realism into your game, and I mean, I, I can't say no. Um, but before we get too much deeper, yeah, I just want to tell everybody and express to everybody my opinion when someone tells me there is an objectively correct way to play D&D. Yeah. And that is... Very negative. <laughs> no sound. <laughs> Guess you don't need it. No sound? Yeah, no sound, but it looked good. <laughs> I didn't hear anything. Joe's trying to be cool here. Uh, I hate these things with their no sound. I, was, I, I imagine I was supposed to click a certain button. Okay, hold on. Let me get rid of it. <laughs> T-shirt said he could, he could read the lips. Joe really wants you guys to love this. Well, you know, that's how it played in the movie. Super close up on the guy's face. Yeah, it was funny. Um, <laughs> I th- for me, like I said, I listened to the Black Lodge guys one time go over the Pro SR, and they had a few good things to say, not so much. But Lee pointed out they're different folks. I mean, it's not like people that like that style aren't just a handful of complete douchebags that maybe you ran into, you know. I'm sure there are plenty of guys that are super cool. They just like that grittiness, even though David Gwill says it doesn't sound very reasonable because you're dead because you're in a dungeon. That's not my cup of tea, but um, like, like most ways to play, whatever. I mean, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. I do wonder when, when the guy, Jeff Rose, says it's how Gary intended. Gary, I believe, is in the 1E e Dungeon Master Guide, and I, I, did, I should have looked this up. I didn't know this was – I should have known it was going to be huge. I thought he said there's a difference between game time and real time. There's literally a difference. Passage of time is different within the game within actually outside of the game. Right, right. So in one-to-one time is only for downtime. So, I mean, if someone tried to say that they use one-to-one time all the time, I'm going to call them liars because there's no way. I'm going to disagree with Patty. He says there is an objectively correct way to play D&D. It's just not for everyone. Um, not really, because I think D&D is DIY. Um, and David Will says the DMG says one-to-one time is recommendation, not a rule. Right. So yeah, everything I, is. Yeah, yeah. So when I, when I pointed out a passage in the DMG, the TSR version, so mm-hmm. that the OSR folks would not, you know, get too upset, where... Gary, they're, you know, they they say that they play raw, but you can't, not technically, because oh. there's there are conflicts that come up when you try to play absolutely raw. Anyway, the uh, I showed them a quote from the DMG, and it says, um, you can essentially DIY this. Yeah. But was, at some point, maybe you're not playing D&D. It can, right. That's maybe what Patty's saying. There's no specifics. At some point. There's no specifics. So because there's no specifics, that gives people leeway, which means there is no one way. 
Well, and Mac makes a good point. If you want to play like Gary, he's got a good point. You need to remember, Guy Gax yeah, and Gang yeah. were originally mini war gamers with a background of a vastly different style than what we've learned in D&D. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So, and... And, but even don't... Gary did say that you could get, he said in articles in the Dragon Magazine, you could get far enough away from the rules that it may not actually be D&D. But in the end, far away, I'm sorry, I'm a math guy. That's not a well-defined phrase. What far, how, how far is far away? And what, so that's why I argue you can't say this is the way to play. Because some people allowed um, humanoids to later on to have uh, classes and fight characters. You know, they added four levels of ranger to a knoll, but well before third edition, it was a thing. I mean, I think you can try to stick to as much as you can, the raw, if you want, but, um, yeah, well, I mean, I don't get the, I don't have a problem with the bro SR playing that way. And if they think it's cool and gritty, do it. Right. But I have a, the only problem is what Joe says is don't tell people they're wrong. Right. So like Chad and son is saying the afterward, and I believe that's where I got my quote from. In the GMG, DMG says, your game, your way. Yeah. And, of course, there's the back and forth. Well, over here he says this, and over here he says this. And when he was interviewed, he said this. And and um, when he wrote this article, he said this other stuff. And I'm like, so you there's no one thing because he has had many opinions. And he doesn't tell me what to do at the table. I know. True. And Patty, I agree. Yeah, it's totally cool if you play Randy's D&D or Jeff Rose, anal retentive and sometimes broke. You can play any kind of D&D you want. You can even play, since Ryan David was on here, he may have left us actually. You can play Sparkle Troll D&D. You can play 5e any way you he want. He said something about getting food. Okay, hopefully he'll show up sometime later. Um, I don't have a problem with that. The timekeeping is one of those things. Um, yeah. Hey, Green Apple. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so Mac, this is the problem with the whole gatekeeping thing, and I understand it. We can't gatekeep the entire no one person, yes. No one person can gatekeep the entire hobby. No set of people. No, yeah. you can't gatekeep the hobby. You can only gatekeep your table. I mean, you can browbeat and shame people and point fingers and laugh and all that crap, but mm -hmm. that's really all you can do. Except People Gary are going to play however they want to play at their table. Uh, yeah. I guess the only there's another way you can potentially gatekeep if you want to call it that, and that is put out a lot of content that's um, more geared to the way you and your cohort think and act and like to play, and then and then the more of that that's out there, maybe there's more. Um, um, people doing that but i don't know it's still it's still weird gatekeeping is at your table and that's about it yeah but i i agree with you joe but i also don't care if you want to try to gate keep some other people out of the hobby you can't do it there's no way you to can stop try it. if you want you can try if you really want to um yeah i don't know um what yeah i'm not playing 4d uh games no what's 4d what does uh, that mean? 4D chess. People talk about being, you know, in a larger game. Oh, okay. 4D chess. You ever heard people saying, that, oh, okay, the, the, where I've heard it is um, when Trump did a thing back when he was president. 
folks would say, why is he doing that? That doesn't mm-hmm. seem right. And uh, his defenders would say something along the lines of, you just don't understand. He's playing a deeper game like 4D chess. Right. So, and a lot of the uh, rest of us were like, no, he's not. <laughs> I, so, you know, I don't say I, I laugh at this because I can't break. I I can't break it. <laughs> Brian David says every Skittle hair tear counts. And I, I sort of agree. I, the truth is I'm, I'm, I'm coming to a place in my life where I'm trying to figure out um, just to let more things go. I'm trying to be like my buddy Joe here. You guys don't, don't, you may not see it, right? You may not see it with Joe in here, but Joe is the most even killed guys. I think I've only met one other person that might be slightly more even killed than Joe. And I honestly think that's a more Christian way to approach most things. Um, and I need to back off some. Um, I don't know if I can because deep down in my flesh, as it were, to speak a little Christian here, uh, I just want to sock it to them sometimes, just give it to them. Disagree, Thurston. Joe's comment indicates two-dimensional thinking. I don't believe so. Three-dimensional thinking. If he talks about not wanting to play 4D, he could be talking about three-dimensional thinking. (laughs) Who's watching our crap that doesn't like what we have to say already? And if they can come in here, we're not going to chase them away from the hobby. Guaranteed. Oh, is that what he's saying? Yeah. Or maybe he's just joking around. I don't know. He's been known to do that. Look at that name, dude. A lot of people want to set themselves up for being a gatekeeper, and they think they're scaring people off of the hobby. I don't think that that's even close to possible. I can't do it. I mean, I I don't care that much. To expend the energy to, one, do things that are going to potentially do that, and then, you know, check and see if it happened. <laughs> to, 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 what, to what, oh, here, here we go. We, we t- get all of the um, blue hairs, and we put the little tags on their ears like they do with cows and have a tracking device in them. And then, and then what you do is... You do something like you go to him, boo, you can't play D&D anymore and see if they run off. <laughs> well, I think what they're getting, and here's my perspective. Here's where it's different. Joe's never been a con guy. Okay. Um, so when I was heavy into Gen Con and going to conventions. So he's joking. Of course he, he is. The thimble and of course he is. <laughs> um, when I was at Gen Con, I felt connected to, and Joe hates this word, I thought I was seeing a community early on. I remember the first couple of years I went, I was so enthralled. We're talking back in late 80s, early 90s. I was like, I have found my people. I have found the lost tribe of D&D. That, that's what I thought when I first went. I was like, wow, they're all just like me. Well, not a couple of years in, I found out that's not true. <laughs> they're people too, right? And then it got totally weird. Mm-hmm. Um, Patty's correct. Uh, he says... First, he says, Randy is correct, which I like that part. Gatekeeping your table. Talk about what you love. Pump up the BGE publishers and authors. Yeah, we should. Yeah, I I think there's a fair. uh, Yes, you are. Ultra American is very, the Ultra American TTRPG is very fair in his Twitter account. He blasts everybody. Um, But when I was part of that crowd, I was kind of more like heavily into Ryan David's camp. I was like, we need to find some way to boot these weirdos out of this hobby. But in the end, 
yeah, good luck. Right. You're, you're right, Joe. In a pragmatic viewpoint, you can't. So, yeah. But we are like way off what we were planning. We're off topic. <laughs> so the whole point is um, uh, the reason I, I put – I guess I put the whole Broasar stupid on there to be a little bit clickbaity, but actually it is what I think. From the point of view only of trying to say there's only really one way to play D&D, and it's their way. Yeah. Uh, if you want to do one to one time, that's up to you. Right. Look, yeah. most of us are weirdos in this hobby. Correct. Yeah. So, Mac, to be fair, weirdos would be people that are differently weird than me. And I, and I used to worry about that. And our man reminds me of what I said at Big Geekcon this year. I said, um, I like the way I play, I don't care about the others. I really don't. Deep down, I'm like, do whatever you want, just don't bring it to my table. I mean, there's some things I just won't allow. There's some bull crap I'm not going to talk about. You're not playing a transgender elf at my table. You can forget that. You can just forget it. I'm not allowing it. Right. So, sorry about your luck. I mean, you're just not. I'm All not right. interested in exploring any of that. Sorry. Off topic. So Maybe we can let's get, on get into the time. What, what when Randy sent me the outline, it was just time. We're just timekeeping. This is episode <laughs> about timekeeping. Yeah, a, a little tiny line in the outline. Yeah, it's like, I don't get this essentially. You know, a <laughs> yeah. couple of articles on Bro SR and mm -hmm. how I don't, I don't get this. Um, or he said he didn't get this. No. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I don't get the attraction really. No. But, uh, I understand well, what they're, I understand what they're doing. I think I do. I think I actually get the attraction on one level. Not the, not that this is the best way level, but mm -hmm. unlike I've told you, I've always dreamed of an elf, uh, elf, <laughs> a trans. <laughs> well, from the point of view of elves, our, our elves, sexual, uh, sexual presentation is a bit, of, um, what's the word I had it in my head and it jumped right <laughs> out is a uh, question. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, that'll be next week. Mac, he says next week, OSR hate. Why or why not? We're going to be talking and more about the OSR, but that's coming. We, we've had our relationship with OSR, and OSR is fine. Yep. I'm just not. I'm just not tied to the rules. I'm tied more to the idea, the uh, concept. <laughs> Dude, I was thinking <laughs> people are just going on with the trans elf, and they threw me off. I forgot what I was saying. Uh, the bro OSR. Um, one last thing. I know we got to get really on, on the topic. I don't, the West Marches theme idea is cool. I know that's not there. Someone else created that West Marches style. The real tracking of real time stuff, one-to-one, -one, that's a little weird. But if I had a good DM and he wasn't being an a-hole about it, and we had a lot of people, I might could get with it for a little while. I could be a player. So. <laughs> yeah, so. If you get a little bit too loud, your head, your microphone clips. Right. So, what should I get, guys? Is there a really cool microphone I could get a hold of that would be better? But yours is having issues. It's not the microphone. It's it. It's more the, the um. Oh, computer. right. I have a Mac, so it's superior. I understand. So I'm with you now. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. All I all I had to do is change one setting that got changed away from the way it was supposed to be. And sure. Were we just fine? Whereas I would have it's perfectly no, fine now. I would have no settings to change, so it would just be like plug and play. <laughs> yeah, we all know that's not true. <laughs> okay, let's actually do a topic here. Topic is timekeeping. Yes, is it worth the effort? Um, well, you have to do some time tr uh, tracking of time. 
you have, have to. to. Well, okay, sure. In, like combat. Uh-huh. That's that's tracking of time to a degree. Yep. Yep. So you do have to do it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, how precise do you have to be? The rounds mm-hmm. over. Next round. Next round. Next round. Turn. Next encounter. I mean, well, it depends on how the other pieces work. So yep. if you're just doing regular D and D, especially early D and D, TSR D and D, everything. Well, not everything. Much of what you do during uh, combat, at least, mm-hmm. happens on a round-by-round basis. A mm-hmm. lot of the spells and abilities are X amount of rounds per level or turns. Yeah. Uh, Matt Thompson's uh, previewing the rest of the things. He mentions travel, combat, poison, illness. Yeah. Spell durations. You got to keep track of that, at least by the mm-hmm. rounds. Um, and again, in combat, poisons and disease, even outside of combat. If you want it to make sense, I guess you really should track you caught a disease from a mummy. It doesn't come into effect till two days later. I guess you got to keep track of it somehow. And if you have anything that is time sensitive um, campaign wise, I mean, we don't know anybody that ever does anything like that. No, no, no DM would ever put pressure on you time wise. You guys just DM, you should, you know, make sure that if people are not where you think they should be or um, you, if the, if the party's in the dungeon, when an event that you have planned goes off, I mean, there's, there's things that you would need to do as a DM to make sure that it made sense. At least perhaps you could just be totally arbitrary all the time, but Mm -hmm. it might get, um, might get a little weird. Yeah, David Will says this too. On larger scale, they track the days, need to track rations and water and healing. Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. if it's going to matter about rations, if that's going to be a thing. um, Later on, Shadow and Sun, um, I think you should 100% keep track. I mean, I'm for it. I'm actually for a, probably if Randy had it all his way and all the time he wanted, I wouldn't do one-to-one time, but I would track things like, I would have a calendar for my world. I still may, and I would. Tr- yes, you're correct. L L says one to one in game to real world time is retarded. Yes, because you can't do it unless you're going to watch the walls at some point. But where, as as far as I know, when people talk about one to one, it's in between game sessions. Mm-hmm. It's not at the table. I guess we're not going to let that go because Patty made a good point. I meant to say this before. As what the bros say, you have multiple teams. Each player has multiple characters for that purpose. L was talking about different groups meeting at different times. So you right. could have multiple characters that could play in different timelines. So I guess that could be the case. Sure, sure. So there, uh, from what I've read, the way they play, you're expected to have... See you, T-shirt. See you later. Um, you're expected to have multiple characters so that when you're... During if during downtime, that one to one time, you've decided to do a thing that lasts uh, an, an amount of time that encroaches on the next session, then you need to have a character that can do something else, because yeah. that's what can happen. But I don't think I don't think it's meant for you to um, have multiple characters that you might initiate in a single session. It's it, it, it's different sessions. Well, 
I think there there's something about that. We've done Dark Sun had the three character thing, but that was more because of the because of the lethality of the setting. Um, but I feel like um, you could have multiple characters. We did in our Elysium campaign, but we didn't keep track of like, you know, some players doing something for three weeks and someone else. Well, you couldn't do this now. We kind of hand waved a lot of that. We didn't worry about it. Um, if you do time, if we're going to keep track of time, uh, I know. Do you prefer? And I think you do. And I'm I'm somewhere in the middle. You prefer a more precise definition, like a round is a minute or a round is six seconds and a turn is 10 rounds. It depends. It's special. Uh, yeah, I think so. Mainly because there are many game elements that do get measured in precise amounts of time. Like, uh, like I was saying, like spells, let's say, mm-hmm. or poisons, or if you have, you can only be healed once every minute or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's things that are measured in time elements, but if you, if in combat you're fuzzy with that, it's going to be a little wonky. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I, I don't know how far along I wanted to go. Like, well, Thurst, Thurston Hell the Force says, oh, no, segments. Yeah, we might want to keep track of segments. That's not my favorite way to do spells. Hmm. Um but it is a, it is a con, it is a concern at the character level. You got left lots to think about rest, recuperation, outside activities. Um, yeah, I feel like I don't know how you would run a game that made too much. I, mean, I guess you could run a game that if it was basically explore the dungeon or fight the monsters and take their loot, and you just wanted to hand wave everything else, and you're basically just doing modules or adventures and not worry about everything in between. It could work. Right. So in combat, precision is good for duration. Maybe not like range. You can say, you know, it's near, far, whatever, and that might be all right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in in combat or at any time where there is a need for precision, you should use that. Now, if you're if you don't, you could make just a judgment call. So let's mm-hmm. say there is that poison, and it's supposed to last five minutes before that next, um, you know, you have an initial effect maybe, and you may have a secondary effect after five minutes. It depends on how the poison works. So let's say that, that that is how the poison works. You're not going to necessarily have to sit there and look at your clock for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, you just talk about what's going to happen after let's say the combat ends if it hasn't left the five minutes and hasn't run out yet, and then just make a call on what the characters do in between the end of combat and the poison going off. If it hasn't been cured or whatever effect it might be. And that's, yeah. So you don't necessarily need to have a um, physical clock running so that you can keep track of things like that. Right. I think in combat precise outside of combat, but in a game session, you make judgment calls and you try to keep things somewhat cool. Reasonable. And, yeah. reasonable. and then outside of your game session, you know, whatever. I don't think it's that important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we're saying like what Thurston Halifor says, how many rounds does it take to sail to the next port of call? I don't think we do that. Right. I mean, no. I, I mean, I'm not interested in that. I was just, now I do, I do pause and go, how fast is the ship traveling? What does it say in the rules? We're going to figure out what's going to take you guys nine days to do this. Um, and I'm just, 
not so um, keen on, and I also don't want to be hamstrung. I mean, if I'm like, next week, we're going to assume you have sailed the water deep and we'll pick up there. Why can't I do that? Even if it would take you three weeks to get to Waterdeep, you know, to me, right, that's fast forward. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm good with that. I think uh, a couple of folks made comments. I think in relation to that, Patty said, um, "Oh, this is interesting." I don't know. I think a lot of people don't like one to one of their characters downtime because they want their character to be the hero rather than the setting being more important. Yeah, there's an an element to the bro SR approach. Mm-hmm. where the setting is more important than the characters. Yeah, and that's a little weird to me. I understand what there's... I like one side of that. I like the fact that the setting does stuff whether or not your character does it or not. And right, that's probably right, what they're right, getting right. at. And then Weird Guy... Uh, hey, Weird Guy. I haven't seen you for a while. Five, six, four. Shadow Dark, real-time torches. The one flaw of that game, it's not a great idea, but being a GM, just make it optional. An opt to never use it. Fixed. <laughs> yeah, they they do that torches thing. I don't know how that works. Uh, I was turned off by, uh, by, um, mm, I was turned off by, by that part of the game. Um, what about, uh, like when you're adventuring, like, let me show something here. I'm going to see if I can share this, present this thing. I've got a little, I found this online. I think this is it. You're going to show that form? Yeah. Is that the one, the crazy yeah. one? Oh, my word. And there's multiple pages to this. Oh, sorry. Hold on. Let me scoot. I'm way too close now. My computer doesn't. Come on, dude. Hopefully nobody here suffers from um, um, seizures. You're going you're gonna to invoke one. I am trying to. <laughs> my fingers are like, really? I don't know. They're not sticking to the pad very well. But anyway, they got this little chart. I know you can't see. It's beautiful in terms of like different colors but golly dude it's super tiny isn't it that is tiny well i don't think we need necessarily need to read all of it right but, but i was just is, gonna i was gonna point is, out go yeah ahead. they're tracking every step of the day every every round um turns and then rounds in each turn and what happens notice it's even and mathematically i love it because it's like this is note 1.12. So it's turn one, round one, second, something or other. Um, and so I thought it was really cool on one hand, but I thought, I don't want to do this. And I recall when I was learning D&D and thinking about, oh, look, you have a random monster. You keep track of the turns as the characters walk down the dungeon. So many, you know, you can move at this pace unless they say otherwise. Oh, they move 37 feet. That's going to be a round. Take it off. And every 10 rounds, roll a D20, or every 10 turns, roll a D20. If you get a five or lower, there's an encounter. It's not bad. Um, We didn't run Patty off, did we? Um, Oh, he has to boogie. He has to eat. Okay, good. I didn't want to run him off. We've already run off a couple of people. I don't want that to happen. Um, But to me, it seems like that sort of keeping, I'm not, and maybe in the end, I'm just not not into that. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, L's got it. It feels a lot like yeah. spreadsheet, the RPG. <laughs> and even the rules in basic D&D, I don't want to count turns. I used to play, I would just say, well, seems like I should probably roll for a random encounter. Roll to see if there is one. <laughs> nope, I would do that. Now, when I went to VentureCon, I don't know if you know this, Joe, you play tested that adventure was like a, it was basically 
I modified Castle Amber, did one small corner of it. Uh, you guys went in there. Remember you fought the trolls and you could co- you guys totally annihilated them. The mm-hmm. first group, you guys had really powerful characters. I had you guys way too tough. But anyway, maybe not. Maybe it's just good roles and good strategy on your part. But in the end, I was tracking. Whenever you guys moved, I would say, I was literally going, oh, that's around. And what I did is I said, if they move this far, this counts as a turn. Right. And so right, right. I would say I would roll. So I was rolling pretty consistency, consistency, consistently according to the rules. Um, even that, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Right, but it but it helped you. Was that a good aid for you to keep track of things? Yeah, and it, I guess it was kind of fun. I guess I'm not sure. Uh, L, or sorry, Arn Man says I use a journal. The left page lists what they found and exp- experience points. The right page I tick off rounds or turns or hours as they occur. Okay, yeah, yeah, but you know, it's not spreadsheet style. And let's see here. All right, uh, there's something here. All right. Natural healing is a time-based thing. Can't do it without tracking somehow. Right. Yeah. And like you're catching up, like you said. Mm-hmm. Earlier, I said uh, something to the effect of use precise time tracking when it's appropriate. You don't have to be precise the whole – I mean, it can be – it can get – the DM, I guess, can get really bogged down with making sure everything's tracked appropriately exactly during the whole session. I mean, how much time does it take – how much – effort does it take to make that um, form that you just showed and fill it in and make sure it's all good and, and, and be able to understand it later on. I, I, I'm sure, you, not, I'm sure if you did it enough, you would not, have a routine. It would make sense to you, but mm-hmm. that's for people who like doing that. I don't think it's essential. I'm somewhere in the middle. I, I like you said, I kind of enjoyed that, but I don't know if I want to do it all the time. And like, what happens if I'm doing my, Namby Pamby feel like I should roll for an encounter, not really tracking time during the not non-combat, and I'm just kind of winging it about because I usually say, "Yeah, you've been here about two hours. You've been here about thirty minutes." If I do that, and then somebody gets a stupid ring of vampiric regeneration, which I don't give out, but some DMs do, and so if you get that, I think you get one hit point around or a turn, you know. And I'm like, so now I got to track turns to know if you got how many hit points you have. Yeah. See, I think. If that's the reason you didn't like the ring of vampiric regeneration or any rings of um, regeneration, because all of them are like uh, healing over time. Yeah. Then it can be a pain in the butt. You know, how much time has it been? Because the player's going to say, how much time has it been? I want my hit points. How much time yeah. has it been? I want my hit oh, points. Oh, yeah. So I made a mistake of giving, giving one of those out uh, one time, uh, but I never did it again. I learned my lesson. Treasure is not for the characters. That's what I learned. <laughs> Treasure's not for the... Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's for the DM to look at and go, that would be neat if my monsters had treasure. Unfortunately, they do not. Yeah. <laughs> that is your way. That is my way. What about long view? Let's take a long view. What about campaign-wise? I, I have to admit, I get a little... Like Art Man said it, the journal shows calendar dates. That way, if someone is charmed, I know when the charm... Okay, that's cool. Art Man's got a system. That's not bad. Old school charm lasts a long time. (laughs) Yeah. One day per level or one year per level. No, 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 no. It depends on the the target's intelligence. Right. Right. And if you're stupid, or even if you're just a little (laughs) bit below average, you're going to be charmed for months and months. Long time. (laughs) I know. Charm the barkeep and never forget it. 
Yeah. But um, events, um, you know, within a world, a city, a region, uh, holy days, special astronomical events, magical confluences. I would love to have such a detailed world that I could track that. But mostly, well, I think if you did, as long as you weren't going crazy about it, I think the players could appreciate that. Joe is not the kind to worry about stuff like that, especially if I'm going to have my own months and have 17 months in a year and 12 moons and different cycles. That can be behind the scene. But what would be interesting is if we played the camp, this would require the campaign to be played a lot. Then when a, when a holiday came up, and then again, the same holiday, you know, like, oh, remember that last time we had that holiday? We had that crazy adventure with that demon that got summoned. And this right. holiday, nothing happens. It would add some verisimilitude to the world. Sure. <laughs> I think you can. I always think less is more. Mm -hmm. You can always, you don't have to have that. You don't have to have every holiday decided. You don't have to, to have when your confluences happen all decided in advance. What you can do is say, I want these kinds of things happening during the campaign. Yep. And then, boing, you make one happen, and and then you write it down, and then you say, uh, um, on the X day of the the year or the month or the week or whatever, this holiday happens annually, or it might not even be annual. It might be every ten years or hundred yes. years, some kind of celebration of some kind. I think to and do you it all in advance. To do it. You don't necessarily need to. Okay, I like this to happen, but in the campaign, I have to wait another. Uh, six months before it happens. Dang, I wish I could do it now. Well, you unless you're, if you're working in advance, if you're like crazy detailed like I was at one time, mm -hmm. I would have it all set. But I understand you could just make it happen. Crafty's got the Crafty Matt, welcome, bud. Going back to the three weeks sailing between ports, if the group meets once a month and the adventure takes one week and three weeks sailing time, then the calendar would catch up to the next the next gaming session. I agree. That's yeah, how that's, you do it. it that's how you do it. That way. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So that works in that situation. And <laughs> let me, so, let me post Al. He's got a good one. He says, Randy, how often is the convergence when all 12 moons align? If you are forcing me as a player to remember there's 12 moons, you better have them tracked accurately in the sky. Math boy. Math boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually Al, I wouldn't make you keep track of it. I just think it would be neat as a player for like, I think Joe would appreciate this if he was like playing and there was this weird, like uh, the um, Darvane solstice. And then I mentioned again, a year later, you're like, dude, we had that cool dragon encounter then last time. Didn't we, you would at least, I think a lot of astute players would appreciate it. I'm not saying you got to keep track of stuff. Go ahead. But that very funny. Al. Good comment. Right. So regarding one-to-one -one downtime in the West marches, Brownstein. So I didn't know that was a factor. The Brownstein Brownstein. Thing. I mean, it was a that's a, that's like kind of the first RPG ever. Yeah, I didn't know sort. that that was uh, a consideration. Anyway, games those games require a higher level of commitment than the games you and I play every couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, I agree from the way that it's described. Yeah, and Crafty Matt is uh, saying what I was saying. One to one time only happens during downtime, not session time. Just got to oh. keep that in mind. Okay, and but it doesn't have to. No, right? You don't have to. Uh, make your downtime one-to-one -one, or your um, between session time one-to-one. -one. If it works out that way, cool. Yep. So if at the end of the session, you need to do a long, a long um, 
travel, you can say, hey, you, we're, we got to end now anyway. So you guys do that travel portion of this. And then when we meet up, you will have done it. And that's fine. But I don't think you have to be that precise and say, well, it's three weeks and we're going to meet in three weeks. Um, that's cool. But, you know, if during that three weeks in between session, you all figure out, hey, we can actually meet again. The DM could say, would say, sorry, you guys are traveling, so I guess we got to wait. <laughs> Iron Man hits it. He goes, that one-to-one process worked better when we all lived in the same dorm at college. Yeah. Or but, in the same town, and we were eighth graders. That was awesome. Right. But with well, the, the other piece of one of the other pieces of this is you all are supposed to have multiple characters so that if you do have extra game time in between, the one group of characters is traveling. And this new other group of characters is doing a different thing. Same players, same DM. And you just, you've figured, hey, uh, we can play, but, you know, those guys are traveling. So we can't use those characters. Absolutely can't. But what we can do is play these other characters. Which, okay, but why do you limit yourself? I don't see the point. Yeah, I mean, I think for us, Joe, that would never work because I just... We're not, we've done a little bit of it, but I, I think one thing I would like about the old style that Brian James mentioned, the idea of having, they talked about 40 and 50 people at the table sounds weird, but if it was perfectly organized and I don't mean perfectly one-to-one, but at least to a point where people felt like, you know, that's about the time my character would be free. So it wasn't like, yeah, there's no way my character could be a part of this adventure. I think that would be kind of interesting. Um, but I don't think I have the gumption desire to um, kind of keep track of that. Uh, Crafty says, this is interesting. He says, the living Greyhawk ran from 2000 to 2008, not only used one-to-one time, but also used that area of the real world people lived in and correlated it. Huh. I remember the correlation part. I don't one-to-one time. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I don't remember that. But I was the Greyhawk guy. So I just saw, I have some of the, we I have some Greyhawk. We weren't into the living. Yeah, but Greyhawk. we didn't play the, that's like the RPGA. It was there. Yeah. 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 Raven's bluff. So, was that what it was? Crafty man. I think that was there. So I, I think I rolled my eyes at this because I don't see the point, yeah. I, but I actually, I do because living Greyhawk is a huge, was a huge thing. Yeah. So in our table, only six people play at a time, maybe seven. You don't know. There won't ever be seven with you as the DM, but six, or less people every couple of weeks or uh, once a month. Mm-hmm. We don't need this. Yeah, because, it seems, because it seems... there's a couple of different levels. There is the one-to-one time between sessions. There's um, something they call patron play, and then there's the there's the whole thing with uh, having multiple characters, so that when you have a character doing something in downtime that encroaches upon a game session, then you pull out your other character so that you can still play. Um, that's mul- that's the multiple character thing. And then there's the patron thing where your character or group or individual character can send other characters off on adventures. Right. Right. But again, if what crafty Matt was talking about, if this is really just for gigantic groups, I guess I can see that you need some kind of um, organization for it to work well. 
That's interesting. Uh, he ta- he goes further. He says a uh, player could they have something called TUs, uh, 52 time units. A single adventure was one time unit. A play if a player went outside of their region, it cost two or three time units as the PC moved. Oh, which okay, interesting. So right, it's key. It's organizing a huge amount of people for a campaign for it to kind of make sense. And Matt Thompson said it came about after LARPing got kind of big and Renfair exploded. Folks wanted a more immersive D&D thing. Yeah, and when you're playing in a big group environment, keeping track of time carefully can feel more realistic that you're really in it, you know, in it to win it. I mean, I could see, I mean, and I don't want to get into an argument what's realism, but I'm just saying it could give you a feel for that. Um, So, yeah, I can understand it for large groups trying to organize everything and have a particular type of play style it could be this in my uh one-to-one time one-to-one we're kind of sticking on this but the way i love time pressure adventures if something has to be completed in six days and we play to the part of the adventure and have to stop and there's only and you guys are gone for four or five days <laughs> too late come back town exploded right sorry about your luck <laughs> You made it back to town, but so uh, in the articles, I'm, I'm going to post them in the chat. But the articles that you uh, added yeah. for OSR and one to one time and stuff, yeah. some of it indicated the stuff that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. And Crafty Matt, yes, yes, it's for it is for large grand campaigns, not for single party, single tables. That wasn't really in the any either of these one to one time articles here, except that it kind of indicated that it's for larger groups but uh the other thing is they state that mr gygax said that you can only run meaningful campaigns or meaningful games right if you have precise time tracking right precise uh yeah i'm, I'm paraphrasing but essentially yeah. they're falling back on something gary said to yeah, reinforce well. what they want, what they're talking about. And I'm like, oh, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm saying, David, that he said, wait, so the group stops, time keeps on ticking, and the party does nothing to stop the town from exploding, even though they would. Yeah, apparently that's how it would work. I mean, if they came back from the dungeon because time was over for the day, meaning we didn't have any more playtime, Joe has to go to work, everybody's got to go to work. And they put their characters up and they get back to town. So they're not going to die in the dungeon. But unfortunately, the dungeon, which is only a quarter mile away, when it blows up, kills the town. Yeah, that's a guess could happen. But I guess you wouldn't write an adventure like that. Right. So. Right. Yeah. And that was a, so, there, the first one I ran, Joe, was a dungeon adventure where they had a timer on you guys. And it was a dungeon that was going to explode. Okay. So maybe Crafty can explain this. Okay. So. Prosar runs grand campaigns with multiple tables and multiple DMs. Pros do not run single table, single party. I think this is where people get hung up, and that's never something that they lay on the table. Yeah. Um, pun intended, or not intended. Hung up on the bro style outside of their kayfabe BS. What is their kayfabe BS? Is that simply them just going on there and, and trolling people who, who don't 100% agree with them, so they're just going to poke at them? with uh this is the only way to play gary said this stuff and we don't and we're all swole because we play this way because they use that word in one of these articles swole swole because that arm. because swole i mean i saw i was telling my wife early trolling yeah yeah so, so 
line. Dude, baby, I swole this morning. I got to the gym. I did my gym it, time. It's one thing if you're just poking fun. It's another thing if you, like, we went back and forth pleasantly for a while, and then I disagreed on a particular point of them, and he just, Jeffro went off on yeah, well, Gary and TSR, and this is the only way you can do things. Well, you know, blah, there's, blah. there's bad actors in every, in our neck of the hobby, too. I mean, it's just a thing. People get mad, want to say stuff, want to start crap. Yeah. Exactly. That. <laughs> That's not how Gary wanted it. It's not how he wanted it. <laughs> so it's 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 oh. sometimes it's difficult to get if the if they're trolling, they're mixing up their trolling with their hey, this is how we do things. They're just they're not making a good case for themselves. No. <laughs> but yeah, they're mixing up gym uh, gym talk with with uh, nerdy stuff. Yeah. Or, you know whatever. I know it's kind of weird. Anyway, so yep. What so, about yeah? Go ahead. Um, timekeeping uh, is cool. I think we should do it. I just don't think the one to one is really the way to go for us. Mainly after Crafty Matt here is laying it down. It's. We just got one, and I said it earlier. We just got one game, one table. It doesn't make sense to do it like that. Yeah. And he says there's a guy named Mr. Wargaming. Crafty does. He, he uh, well, wait a minute. He says um, there are only really two guys that really do the kayfabe, Jeff Rowe and B-Dubs. Guys like Mr. Wargaming. Yeah, dude, I don't care if you're, dude, if you love it, do it, man. Yeah. I, I, I hadn't even, even heard about the um, grand campaign until you brought it up crafty. So I'm glad you did. That makes sense yeah. because they're trying to organize a lot of different things. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, what about um, player issues? So when you're timekeeping time to play time between, how about time between turns? That's a bug of it. That is really bug. That, that is sticks, a really big. That sticks in my craw. It does. I just want people to go. Sometimes yeah. I don't. I don't care. You got five minutes. Come on, just make a decision. It doesn't help when we're learning new games and people are struggling to know the rules. But mm -hmm. once we do, you've had your character for seven, eight, nine sessions, and we're still rolling. Come on. Um. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Do you think you need to set? Uh, what? Do you, last time we had a couple of breaks. Do you think having breaks is good in the game itself? Because we're kind of veering away from the the game itself, but the needs outside the table. Okay. So during a game session, taking a break every now and again. Yeah. Longer session. Yeah, it can help. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't make it a big break, but that depends on your game day. So if you've got like a whole day or a whole weekend set aside to game. You can have big breaks. They don't need to be quick. But I know for Big Geek Con, mm -hmm. we decided to go with big breaks in between. In Hour between, and a half between sessions. Because of um, wanting to be able to eat. And that actually came from Cabin Con because we were just going, hopping, you know, you know, five, 10 minutes in between sessions. And I was like, dude, this isn't working. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're like, people got to eat, dude. 
And eat. yeah, and so we, I, I think that time was great for a convention for sure. When you're playing, I like shorter breaks, 10, 15 minutes maximum. If you guys smoke, let them go out and smoke, uh, go to the bathroom, do your thing. But you know, you can, we're close to the bathroom anyway at my house, so you can just go to the bathroom. It doesn't matter to me. Ah, lady's got it right. No breaks. Make the lazy gamers play on bedpans. <laughs> ah. Oh, Max got it. Lady, he says, time to storm. Tell us what you're doing every turn. <laughs> yeah, there's some kind of storm going on out there where he's at, where Flady's at. Well, we're having, so, we had a crazy rain snow mix today. Yeah, it wasn't very pleasant being outside. It was when it was just snowing. But a crafty Matt says now you can do a grand campaign with a single table if you want to play multiple PCs. Such a high level, so high level party becoming patron, such as, or for instance, a high level party can become patrons for a low level PC. Sure. So we, we were mentioning that earlier on yeah. as a p- potential way to do this because that's how the article read. It didn't it didn't mention the grand campaign either. I think you can do that style of play, and I'm sure Crafty would agree. You could do high-level characters sending low-level characters on on to adventures without having to do one-to-one stuff. But I get what they're saying. The grand campaign has a specific meaning to them, and that's fine. You know, do your thing. Um, mapping. Mapping. What about mapping? Talk about a time sink in every possible okay. way. Yeah, it can be. We've never been big mappers. So, so are you talking about having a mapper? Correct. In the group? A mapper. And me having to tell you, you go 14 feet forward. You can turn right this way or to the left, and you can head down a sloping pad hallway, which is, appears to be turning into a cavern shape rather than worked work stone. And then continue describing. And you go 37 feet, you know, turning at an arc of roughly... Four degrees every every round. <laughs> so, yeah, I see David loves mapping. People say that. I don't get it. Okay, so here's the thing about mapping, okay? Essential? I don't think so. Caller, mapper, treasurer, scribe, all essential to D&D. Now, we, we do. It, it helps a lot when we play. My wife is playing. She writes down all the stuff we She's get. She's generally this, the treasurer, yeah. And somebody writes down uh, things, and it helps. Essential? Nah. <laughs> Cal, numbers are stupid. <laughs> and David likes, look, I'm not knocking it. Maybe I should try it again. I was very young. We did mapping. And look, people are going to hate me for this. You remember this, don't you, Joe? After a while, we're getting tired of it. And I said, what if? We just say all adventurers have an innate sense of dungeons and they can find their way out once they've been there. So we never, we almost never worry about getting lost either. That's okay. Not so of- getting lost is something that actually happens in the real world. That's yes. fine. But I think we overestimate how often people would get lost um, because if, if I'm walking around Unless there's a lot of confusing confusing things happening. So if you're in a dungeon and you're getting chased by a monster and you're just taking the first left, first right, and all this stuff while you're running from the bad guy, yeah, you could easily get lost. But if but if we're going in carefully, checking corners, nothing's happened yet, and you, you spend a half hour going from one location in the dungeon to another location in the dungeon, you'd the chance that you're going to get lost if you just 
turn around and walk out is probably pretty small. Never been but in it, a dungeon. But some people are directionally challenged. I know some. Um, and I'm someone who can can key off of um, terrain features. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if the dungeon is simply five foot wide hallways, all kind of um, rough hewn stone, they don't really look that different from each other. I suppose you could get lost. Oh, our man's got it. You should run the game so that players can follow their blood trails back out of the dungeon. Because there's going to be a lot of blood drip trails. There's all kinds of strategies to not getting lost. And, and, you know, if you, unless you have somebody following you that erases everything you do, like strings or rocks, or you make little marks on the, on the walls, stuff like that, depending on what kind of wall there is, there's, there's ways to, there's ways to make sure you don't. That's an, that's gotta be an end game and real time sync. Yeah. It can't be that fast. Right. Leave a trail of Olympus bread. Right on. And, but Matt, Max says, Bilbo got lost. Be smart, draw map players. He's I mean, easily distracted. He's a halfling. He was probably hungry. <laughs> he was probably lost from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I get the I get drawing a map, but it does slow things down a lot. So if you don't, as a DM, Randy, if you didn't just draw quick, do a quick draw of what we were where we were at, mm-hmm. or or the the hallway as we're going down and the different choices we can make as we go down. If you don't just draw it, if somebody else draws it, I tried one time to draw quickly while we were doing stuff. And it's, it's not, it's tedious and you can't pay attention to what's going on with the DM while you're mapping, except to map and make sure it's good. Mac is claiming it's a rough map takes two seconds. I guess if you just did a line map, I tried that too. It really? was really, it, it was really inaccurate by the time I got done. You know, the truth <laughs> is we probably just suck at it. That's probably what it is. <laughs> Everybody's screaming of its glory. So I don't know. <laughs> I think the way we do at our table is you just draw what it is and we don't worry about getting lost. I mean, if you want, if, if different tables have different ways of doing things, if you want to make sure everybody has a chance to get lost all the time, that's fine. We just Max says he's mapped for decades, and it was accurate enough to get us back. So I think maybe we just need to have Mac come to our table and play. I think that'll fix it. He can be our mapper. Yeah, we just invite him. Yeah, come on up, Mac. Hold on a second. Once, twice a month. Um, I think more than anything. Hold on a second. No, I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting for Joe. He's gone. I'm going to start messing with crap. He's made a horrible mistake. Yeah, you can play. I'll even let you play cleric. Um, uh, crafty. This is why the party had different roles in the party: mapper, caller, quartermaster, diarist. Each part member had a responsibility for doing different things. Yeah. yeah. Yes, L. Uh, Patrick could be the mapper. He does draw lovely maps, um, but he is an artiste. He cannot be rushed. So, <laughs> Mac wants to play a cleric, though. You know how I feel about that. <laughs> Actually, I'm I'm waffling, dude. To be honest with you, Mac, I'm waffling. I may have clerics. So, right, I get the whole everybody has a role, but you're already playing your role, being the fighter or the wizard or whatever. I just uh, we maybe we should try doing this and see how it works out. 
Um, I'm willing to give it a shot again. I, I, I'm not really sure. Uh, yeah. And, and crafty says it's those for roles were for a different type of game that most people don't play today. Yeah. I mean, it, if I was doing something like that while we were playing, then I would miss things. I guarantee you I would miss yeah, things. Yeah, we'll experiment sometime. We'll experiment. Maybe we'll do it during the Horde Wars game. You guys are low enough level. You know the rules well enough. We'll just say, hey, you need to, I'll get you guys. In a, what do you think of an, what about abstracting some stuff? I know you're not a huge fan of like, uh, roll a D6 for how many torches you have left. Roll a D6 to see how many arrows you have left. But what if you said, I've done this. If there's been scenarios like in 13th age, roll this dice, and if it's so low, they get lost. That's that would be fine. I think we could live with that. I think our table. Well, could then live you got to figure out how you get unlost. Correct. Well, I think you could do this. You could have like um, a random encounter table, and if you get lost, you hop over to a more difficult random encounter table or an easier one. Maybe you're in a really weird place in the dungeon. Maybe something. Like maybe like to go old school on us, maybe you're on level three when you're only level one. You know, remember they used to level all the dungeons mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you slip and end up getting down there. And oh man, things get crazy now. Green Apple looks like he's with us. So I think there is, L. There's a rule somewhere in D&D that you can get lost in a hex. I know it's in... Uh, when you're hex crawling? Yeah, I don't have basic, but I know it's in... Uh, what was that game we were playing that L doesn't like? Because it's not D&D. OSE. Essentials? Yeah. OSE, yeah. It's definitely an OSE. I've seen it. That's a thing. Absolutely. And I, I, that's enough for me. That's enough. It's abstract enough that I can do it. Just roll this. If one happens, there's a chance that they got lost. Or something like you. Like on one or a two, you're lost. But if you have a ranger, it's only on a one. So, welcome, long shot. Looks like he just showed up. Glad to see you. Um, I think that's all I got to say about timekeeping. Basically, you know I don't want to do it. Have a so, dwarf. Uh-huh. We almost always have a dwarf in the party. I think we figured if we have a dwarf in the party, we're not going to get lost underground. Dude. Because they're all... They're all because cool like that. Larry Elliott knows exactly what the most powerful ability of a, of a dwarf is. Oh, yeah. Detect sloping passages. New construction. <laughs> and new constructions. He loves that, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. why he plays dwarves, because he knows that's overpowered. I'm thinking about not, not allowing it. It's too powerful. Right. <laughs> you want to tell him to do the things, man? Whoa, hey. That was quick. <laughs> yes, do the things like subscribe, um, Hit the bell notification, thumbs up, share, comment, come in when it's live. If you're listening to this after the fact, a lot of things uh, help that algorithm, even though someone said algorithms are evil earlier. But yeah, do all the things so algorithms will recommend our show to more people. My current character is one. I'm thinking he's saying a dwarf. Yes, he's... Max trying to convince me to let him play a cleric in the game. I haven't outlawed clerics. I've just thought in my campaign world that I build, there may not be an adventuring class. David Gwill has uh, has uh, bent my ear that way. Joe and I have talked about it for a while. I don't know. I do love the... I love the politics and religion and the challenge of that. That's kind of... That's kind of cool. <laughs> Larry... Does this hallway, does this hallway get that goes to the higher level slope? <laughs> he wants to know. Oh. 
No, it, you get there magically. No sloping. No sloping. Dungeons no longer have sloping passageways. It's all magic. Mm-hmm. All right, this second topic. I don't know. I had uh, come up with it last week. It's the middle of the topic. I was like, it's kind of cool. So I, I started jotting things down. And we can look at this a couple of ways. Whenever you learn or see or try um, a new game, um, do you ever bring biases? Not just preferences, but biases to a game. Preferences, you, you probably can't help it. And There's no way. You can't, yeah, there's you no can't way. not have preferences. Um, and do you think they can ever stop, help, inhibit your enjoyment of the game? And the first example is what we've done recently. You're, and probably not because it was min, it was minuscule. Your issues with scrolls, encumbrance, encumbrance and scrolls and hard wars, right? Yeah, because so, it didn't inhibit my no, enjoyment of the play session. It just colored that couple of minutes where we had the back and forth. We we're talking about it. I'm like, this is weird. Yeah, Larry's then, rich. Yeah, rich Ork was going to buy a million scrolls. You're like, yeah. And he goes, you can't carry those. Watch me. <laughs> well, even in, D- in what we call D&D, a scroll this big, it wouldn't be all that easy to lug that around and fight if you had 20 of them in your backpack. They right. would take up weird space. But being gigantic seems a little bit of a stretch. Right. So all of that makes the other parts of the game, to me, play weird. Or if you think about it. If you just don't worry about it and you just roll with it, then you're fine, which is what I ended up doing. So yeah. it ended up, I did. I just did. So it that's kind like of... I, it's not like it took me half the game to get to be okay with it and then I no, finally... No, no. It was just, okay, this is how it works. Okay, let's go. Yeah, I think... Um, oh, David Gwill says, if it, Biggest Geek is, if it helps for the Horde Wars scroll art, I drew it with a solid case to keep it safe. Yeah, it could be that scrolls come in just larger cases so you can put a bunch of them in there but that was not not you no. you suggested that and that was not a thing either no. um those are, that's kind of an example where like you're like my not that it didn't cause a big problem but it no, was like no, no. your ver- verisimilitude was broken for a moment when you started right. thinking about um it seems like too harsh for a scroll to be a full standard item right and mainly so, because we were very limited on how many items you can carry. Right. So they're taking um, game balance issues, what's essentially. So mm-hmm. a, a tone to their game and a game balance, and they're transforming it into uh, the way things look and feel within the game and marry up with other rules like encumbrance. So that want less healing and less scroll use. So we're making the, these things take bigger space than they than in perhaps in some other in, in some other games. So in many right. games like in D D, scrolls don't really take up much space. Or or they're not it's not really discussed. It's not really there's not hard and fast rules on how how much space and encumbrance a scroll is. Yeah. So we all just assume it's a thin piece of paper and t- you can carry a bunch of them. Or like and then when you jump to something like 13th age where they're like, eh, money's not really important. You, part of me, and and Horde Wars does this a little bit, but not the not important thing. Thirteenth Age and Horde Wars both want they want to roll for your gear after the adventure. You, right. you I mean, it's, it's set up where like you roll to see what mm-hmm. you found throughout the adventure, or you have to get to the end to get the treasure chest, as it were, uh, which makes it a little video gamey to me. You know what dropped, 
And in 13th age, it can really break, you know, each character rolls and hey, you happen to find two potions and a rune. And you happen to find 600 gold and this. And it's it's like, where, where, did, where did I find that? Did I, just because I came to the final boss, uh, he happened to have 13 treasure chests. I mean, that that kind of weirds me out sometimes. So in, in my Horde Wars game, I pre-roll the treasure. I think I'm going to stick with it. It just makes more sense and I can place it. You know, so, I do a little randomness, but I do place it. I think after the fact is so that your character's power doesn't change throughout the course of a session. So if, if you started out the session a particular with a particular set of gear and in that first um, treasure hoard, you picked up a Vorpal sword. Well, you just went from where you were to where you are, which is a whole lot more capable with the Vorpal mm-hmm. sword. Yes. Uh, even though it's a little swingy because it's only on a crit, but even so you've got a really powerful magic item that you didn't have. And if the DM planned your, uh, game session out with your current power level in mind, it can throw things off. So I kind of get that. So it's another... Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think I, I keep using Horde Wars, but even 13, 13th Age is much more, they're, they're similar in one sense that I think they're pretty well, they're fairly well balanced games. They lean toward the players, in my opinion. Um, the rules are more advantage players. Not that there's not death. It can happen. 13th Age less so. Um, but I think it's interesting that in Horde Wars, one thing that stuck in my craw initially was that weird random rolling at the end, only from a DM viewpoint. As a player, I kind of enjoyed it, you know. But as a player, I would the DM, I'd rather roll for the tapestries. And once they tell me what's on it, then I'll I'll massage it and tweak it to to uh, tw- uh, not tweak it. Uh, what's the word? Tweak. Tweak it. Yes, tweak it. Not speaking well tonight. I will tweak it so it fits my what I'm envisioning for the campaign, and um, I really, I'm really not a big. F- the more I think about it, I'm not a fan of randomness. Meaning, right. when I'm at the table, this will drive some people crazy. I don't want to be surprised by what the players are fighting, and here's what I mean by that: It's not that they can't make a wrong turn at Albuquerque, and I can use some logic and maybe roll on a table, but I hate really. I really don't like it. I like my, I like to have at least a few random encounters pre-rolled. I like to have treasure set, meaning none and <laughs> no spell books. And I, I just, I don't know. It's, it's always bugged me when things were too random. It just doesn't feel, I lose a lot of, uh, and that's probably my bias. I, I just lose a lot. I get drawn out of the can out of the world. It draws right. me out of the setting. I get that. Hey, I got to deal with my dog. I'll okay, be... go ahead. Yeah, I'll, I'll continue on. I'll see what the people are talking about here. Oh, they're talking, still talking about the scroll. Yeah. Um. Yeah, our man says he embraces them. That's that's great. You and I'm using them, but I do a lot of pre rolls. I'm just like I had four sets of treasure that I pre roll before the first game a week and a half ago. And then when we got there, I just divvied it out at appropriate times. So I had a little index card. That was one set of treasure that I rolled for the party. And I gave them a roll per character as per, as per, uh, horde wars, uh, Patty's heading out later, bud. And, um, 
I just used the index card in one particular area because that's where the treasure would be. And I placed it strategically as they encountered different things. I didn't just let them roll at the end of the night. Uh, L says, Randy, assume you have a random encounter pre-roll for area D, but when you roll circumstances, no encounter happens. Um, yeah, that could be a problem if I'm that tied to that area. Uh, it could be, I, I, I agree, but I would just keep that encounter in my back pocket. So, you know, what I'm saying is I would, I would be inclined to follow the rules and say, I think the players are going to go this far make my tables, do some rolls, and maybe fully develop and flesh out uh, those random encounters to make them a little more interesting. I think, I don't disagree, Mac. They ha- there's a fun element tool to it. Um, he says, random tables are fun. That's pure old school, man. Just strolling along and suddenly, blammo, a herd of carrion crawlers or purple worms. I get it. Um, it's not always what I what I want. Um I have a question. I would love for you to come back to me on this, Iron Man. He says, the Horde Wars in session for rolling what each player finds is very fun. The players are totally into it. Yes, um, but for how long? I think I saw in my players, it will get tedious a little bit at the end. It will The, the uniqueness, I, I claim it will wear off. I mean, we've only played a couple of times, but even my players, when I said I had pre-done it, they, they liked the idea. Um. Oh, well, crap, Larry's Larry Elliott, he's going against what I said. I thought he said he liked it. He said, I like rolling at the end, though I did roll for lots of money. It's not what you get. It's not, uh, L, he's asking the question. At the end of a Horde Wars adventure, they suggest you let each player roll a die to see what treasure they found in that adventure. It could be at the very last encounter. It could be what you picked up along the way. It's completely random. And usually each player has to make three or four rolls. And then you say, you get this many crowns, you get this particular magic item, you find this thing. It's to me, it takes me out of the game a little bit. It feels a little bit too much like uh, price is right. Show them what they've won, Johnny, you know, and it's after you've completed the adventure and you've won this. Uh, One time we played with DM Blackwall and we didn't make it in that session to the final fight with the vampire Lord, I think. Or we had to go back and rest something. And Joe was like, do we get our magic? Do we get our rolls for treasure? He's like, nope, you got to complete complete this adventure to get it. Um, there's an element of fun, but Iron Man, I will be very interested to see if you like it six, seven, eight sessions down the road. And you might. This might just be me. So... Uh, yes, Cal, he's talking about random encounters. He goes, or the DM decides to use one from the random encounters so they get used. Yeah, I could just make it happen. Um, he says, Iron Man, the loot is normally not that good in the big picture. It's, um, it's decent. I don't think, I don't agree that, I I don't think it imbalances thing because you're not going to get, well, you can get some pretty crazy stuff. I randomly rolled a magic item that is pretty crazy powerful. And the characters are first level. Now, they haven't found it yet because I placed it somewhere. But it was, I can't say because those players, some of those players are listening. But it's its next level. Um, Flady says, what if you have them pre-roll the loot numbers and the GM lets the role play of the loot close the session? Hmm. 
So you mean like roll it before the session? Yeah, possible. Yeah. Later, long shot. Peace, brother. Have a good night. Yeah, I think you could. Um, there's no reason you couldn't um do that. Um, again, I I get maybe it's just probably the control freaking me, guys. It's probably just the control freaking me. I just want to know where everything is and have all things placed and you know know what's in room like L said and knows what's in area D and I want to know what's in area A and um, but to be fair, I have been known to write adventures and literally forget treasures, so it might be a good thing to consider the other one, right? Um, anyway, so what about other biases? What do you guys think about this? I think, I think sometimes talking about gaming biases, sometimes we take biases, that is things that we like from say D and D we played, uh, advanced D and D first edition, and then you go to play fifth edition and then you just lose your mind because fifth edition doesn't do the. Oh, David Gwills here, I better be careful. Doesn't doesn't um doesn't use the pseudo Vancian spellcasting, but makes another adjustment with slots. Later, Crafty. Join that other stream, brother. They need you. We're glad to have you tonight, man. Um so my point was. If you bring those biases, like when I first came to 13th Age, and I still have a hard time, Joe has a real hard time with this, they talk about in that game that resting a long rest is, you know, if you say, if you have an ability that lasts once a day, it's not once a day, it's once per long rest, and the long rest can be theoretically as long as the DM wants it to be. They suggest for average fights be a full rest, full heal up, that's what they call it. And that was off-putting. But the game, 13th Age, whether you like it or not, its goal is for you to be the big damn heroes. And it's not about keeping track of very careful things. It's a game that I would call very gamey. That is, you want to, you get new spells. when You, you don't get a, a once-a-day spell back because, well, you know what? It's too soon. It would make the adventure too easy. And they make things a little more loosey-goosey. You might call them too freewheeling for a lot of people. Um, Ardman says, back to Horde Wars, it's probably best when characters die a bit that a new character enters starting over, the encounter should be vicious. I agree. I think you you can go hardcore, and I think it's fine um, in Horde Wars. But... I think sometimes we take our biases and we don't give the game a chance. And it's fine if I'm not like a lot of people. It's a rare game. There's a few that I can just look at it and go, yeah, I'm not playing that. That's dog boop. I bought fifth edition a couple years after it came out, maybe a year. And it sat on my shelf. I remember reading how turning undead had come back from the way it was different from third edition. And I was really fond of third edition. And I literally said, not playing that put it on my shelf. Then three, four, five years later, I pulled it off and played a year-long campaign. When I just accepted the things the way they were, we had a very good time. 5e is not my game. Uh, 
but I did enjoy it. But I had a bias. I was like, I don't want to play turning. So fifth edition's turning's more like second edition's turning than it is like third edition's turning. And I was like, mm, don't like that. Uh, turning makes an encounter in my mind. Old school turning makes, if you turn the undead, it turns an encounter into a non-encounter. And I know you can make arguments about, well, undead are super powerful and they can drain levels. Okay, that's fine. But I still think it makes an encounter a non-encounter. So I kind of, for many years, I preferred third edition. I don't know where I'm at now. Um, um, I played, I still play it. Elsa's my 13th age game for how long before my bias proved right. Um, rights, uh, that's relative. For me, it's right. But I would say I, I still play. I still absolutely play. 13th age at cabin con. Um, it's a fine one shot game or short campaign for me. Um, Iron man says the idea of embracing the game is real for me in my old age. It turns out pretty well usually. And it's easier on your brain, isn't it, dude? Just accept the game for what it is. You may find you don't like it, but don't try to, I mean, do too much changing and getting upset about this rule or that rule. Um, yeah, I don't know. Especially when somebody else is running the game and you're just in it. Yeah, I was talking about a couple of things for me, like uh, you and I both, 13th age, long rest issue. Yeah. That bugged us up. For, initially, I was okay with it. Then I was like, not really. And after a while, I didn't care for it. But, and and Turning th Undead in 5e. I hated when Turning yeah. Undead went back to second edition Turn Undead. Right. The other problem with uh, the long rest was two of you guys just decided you weren't going to have it in the game session. I did for a while. I said to game session. Like, no, nah, we're just not doing that. Well, you know, me and the pressure, I have the pressure element. And I thought, you know what? I'll just make them work for it. Plus, part of that came from another thing I didn't like. Players were never in danger. Characters were never truly in. That's not fully true, but it did seem like it. Weird the guy wild bears says, in there. They'll always be in danger. We've always talked about the weird guy asked, Randy, which game is your favorite RPG? Oh, dude. Someone hogtied you and made you say it, or else they were going to do bad things to you. If I could only have one game right now, I would play D&D &D of some sort. Is that not good enough? That's fine. I mean, I'd probably lean toward... I mean, it's fine for us. Other people yeah. would say, well, what do you mean? But no. D &D I would play the named Dungeons and Dragons game. Pick your... My, it wouldn't be 4th edition, and it probably wouldn't be 5th. But mm, the others, 1, 2, 3, basic... Honestly, I might even lead toward OSE, but second edition still always calls me. I don't know yeah, why, yeah, yeah. but it does. Uh, Larry, good point. Larry says his favorite is one playing with friends. Weird guy says if pushed, he would go with riffs. Interesting. But I, I, I was just saying, talking about more mechanics. What about... Um, Weird guy says D&D &D is fine. Hell, all the OSR variations are uh, are D&D. &D yeah. 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 I edited um, that a little bit for clarity. Yeah, old man's leading. Uh, Iron Man's leading toward OSE and OD and D. That's fair. I, I like I like Hard Wars, but I'm really more experimenting with it. It'll last for a few levels, then I got to go do Dungeons and Delvers, and and I got to get Castles and Crusades to the table. I have to. I got to see see how I like that. So you have to. It's a moral imperative. Moral imperative. But yeah, um, what time is it? It's almost we we can keep going. Um, do you think oh, ever? Yeah. A different a different take. Other than rules, do you ever think that when a you go from one fantasy game for an oh Martinson named a sweet one, 
Deadlands is sweet, but that's a for me, that's a one-shot game. I've yet to feel the draw of a full campaign in there. So. Yeah, and that's that's a good point because you have to really be into the game to go for the campaign version. Oh, I think I think Martinson is. He would yeah. if he could, he would play Deadlands all day, every day. Yeah, that's his that's his game. Um what about this? Do you ever have biases that when you go from one one setting to another? Like even if you stick to the dragons and wizards setting and you go to something that's Forgotten Realms, if you really love Forgotten Realms, and then someone throws you into Dark Sun and you're like, Okay, this is dumb because blah blah blah. This is dumb because of blah blah blah. Um honestly, um I wouldn't I wouldn't have in maybe I'm being pedantic. I wouldn't throw Dark Sun in there because Dark Sun rules change a lot of rules change. Okay. Okay. It's what about um fair enough? But if you're talking Greyhawk or 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 Forgotten Realms or something equivalent to those. What about uh Earth Dawn? What That's about a different Earth? game? Well, it's also a different okay. So you want to stick with the you were saying setting. Setting. Okay. So fantasy setting. Okay. So well for me setting and we can talk about how different fantasy games play out. But if you're just talking about setting, um, for me, it would depend on how much that setting is tied into the adventuring. So if the setting really only comes to p- into play at um, when we're doing town stuff mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter all that much, mm-hmm. then the setting to me isn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. But if, if setting issues like we were talking about holidays and um, heavenly body convergences, mm-hmm. things like that, all the moons uh, in line, if that kind of stuff comes into play enough during a game session, <clears throat> then then the setting could matter. So it depends on how much that the DM makes the setting matter as far as whether it affects me or not because the only big thing about um forgotten realms that was a pain was that you're always getting showed up by all the npcs all the time if the dm does that yeah i was the opposite i kept the big the big guns hidden my my players went to shadowdale once they tried to bother elminster he says closed the tower's closed Close for business. Don't talk right. to me. Solve the own adventure yourself. It's on you. Right, right. Can you give us some advice? No. So, yeah. yeah. So, but if you're talking about different versions of the fantasy game, so yeah. you got D&D, mm-hmm. then Dark Sun, bring that in. Yeah. Then you can bring uh, Earth Dawn in, which we only well, genre. So, so genre is when you jump between different fantasy games and settings like earth dawn's got a different feel than many D settings correct um so does dark sun even though it's D, it's a big difference or if yeah. you play 13th age it's really got to people use it's their setting feel. it's odd um uh horde wars i don't know much about their setting but it definitely it definitely has a different sort of thing yeah we need to drink we said earth dawn though it's not our game um so those things can make a difference but i don't think i have a bias I think I just have me that would affect my play right. experience. Me too, because I think in, in that situation, if I've never played um, Earth Dawn and I don't read the rules that close, so I was playing a thief type guy, 
and then I assume that I can pick pockets, though I didn't pick the skill or whatever. And like, no, it didn't work out. You can't do that. You didn't pick it, you know, or whatever you're supposed to get. I'm not saying that's how worked on work, but just I play a new game. I'm like, then I might learn on the run, but I'm not like oh biased toward that. I, I would assume if I'm jumping into a completely different game with a completely different take these days, when I jumped into Horde Wars the first time, I did not assume that anything was as D&D. Right, I assumed right. who knows what's going to happen. We might have scroll cases that are a standard item and I'm just going to deal with it. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but, I get that. So, and some of that stuff didn't come up until the whole scroll thing didn't come up until the, we were playing, doing the online play because we didn't, we'd never had a, a, a situation where like my character had, um, I don't know, nine of them or something like that. And uh, so that everything was all spread out. So nobody had really an encumbrance issue before. I mean, from the other times we played at Kevin Con and, and at uh, Big Geek Con. So sometimes you have to play enough to expose some of these things, these things that might end up being a kind of a bumps into your biases. So my bias in that, and I, I'm going to say I have a bit of a bias, mm-hmm. is balance to me um, shouldn't override, or even I guess maybe it should. I'd rather it make uh, things make sense conceptually, so scrolls and potions not taking the same amount of space up in your in your uh in, in your gear list of gear your encumbrance mm-hmm. it shouldn't take the same amount of space as something like a short sword or a larger sword. or yeah two potions and a long sword are the equivalent encumbrance wise doesn't make sense to me mm-hmm. conceptually so hold on one probably should figure out a different way to balance that out two Probably less than a minute. Give me a second here. Sure, sure. So my, my that's my bias, and I'm not saying it's superior or anything. That's just how I think. So um, I also kind of don't like the, the detailed um, having to note every little thing down uh, encumbrance-wise and it making a huge difference. Um uh, because you you get to, you I'd rather not play the game so much in in that vein so, such that it's more of a I don't know I'm trying to figure out a good way to put this um, we should be doing the game more we should be playing more not writing more as players writing right writing 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 and tracking and oh okay so there's a lot of people that are like keep your face out of your character sheet well i can't do that if i'm always having to make sure everything's um lined up correctly especially encumbrance wise because that can change dramatically yeah between encounters so i understand you don't want somebody to be carrying around a metric ton of things when they can't physically carry it and you know, a backpack should should only hold so much and whatnot. But I, as a player, I I will say, hey, I don't think I can carry all this stuff. I'll be honest. 
yeah. with that. And I'll, you know, uh, I'm probably running out of room, especially if I'm playing a weak wizard. I shouldn't be carrying it too much. Well, Max so. says it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but there needs to be a smidge of math carrying around 20,000 gold pieces without a horse. Yeah, I think, and I think that's, Joe would like to see, I think Joe. I'm um, okay if all I have to do is mm -hmm. add up the weight. Yeah. If that's all I'm doing. But not like, well, you can't have five, so you don't want to be like, you can't be carrying five great swords, even though technically you can carry five great swords. Is that what you don't, you don't like that? Um, I think it's just, uh, I think it just needs to make sense conceptually. Yeah. And, um, I mean, personally, I mean, Joe can attest to this. I've never been a big encumbrance guy. I mean, I don't, I don't get on you guys really heavy with encumbrance. Right. I just say in most games that I play, like, look, be reasonable. Well, right. You know? But we don't get any treasure. So it's almost never an issue. That's a good point. It's really not much of an issue when you can't even buy, you don't have enough money to buy a great sword. So you can't have a bunch of them if you can't buy one. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, make it logical. I agree, Mac. And yeah, that's what logical. Mm -hmm. um, do you think, and this can be a big one here, our biases with additions, which we all have, we have our favor, we have our preferences, but we're also biased sometimes. Some people are like, Vancean slash pseudo Vancean, fire and forget is the way to play D&D. Anything else is bullcrap. And it's okay if you have um, that opinion, but when you're playing a new edition of D&D, it's okay. If, and I'm okay too. If you read it and go, I'm not playing that. That sounds stupid. But it, to me, it's hard for me to envision that fully. I had to really play fourth edition before I realized how much I didn't like it. Um, I think we bring sometimes those and don't give a game an addition of D and D, especially additions, a chance when they make changes. I've given fourth edition enough of a chance. I've played it enough to know that I don't care for it. I've played fifth edition enough to know that I can play it and I can run it, but it's never going to be a thing that I do long-term. Um, third edition, like I said, but I think some people just go, mm, not going to do it. Stupid. I don't like it. And I guess people can do that, but sometimes if you don't, if you, you don't have to give everything a chance. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I just feel like sometimes we bring in baggage from before that the new game may may work smoother. There are things about fifth edition that are smooth. It doesn't mean it's good, right. but it's smooth. So, well, I think having a preference, even if it's silly as silly as I'm not I'm not going to um, play anything that um, ha, ha, uh, that Wizards of the Coast has ever made. So then you couldn't even play third edition. Uh, the third edition was all right. But you know, if that's what you want to do, that's on you. Mm -hmm. I think uh, I think where a lot of people would draw the line is if you start trying to convince people that they're wrong for calling a game D and D when they think it's not D and D. Right. That's weird. Yeah. Whatever your opinion it says D and D on the cover. Uh, they own the D and D rights, so they can make anything any game they want and call it D and D. Now I might even and I, I know fifth edition I don't care for. It's called D and D. I still yep. call it D and D. It is D and D. It's currently D and D. Uh, Green Apple said, or no, Thurston Howell the Fourth said, I eat stuff I don't like once in a while just to make sure I still hate it. I'm kind of like that, but with coffee. 
I try coffee every once in a while because it smells so wonderful. The only way I do that is if, like, say, beer. Because I don't like beer. And someone, mm-hmm. then there's a, people out there that will say, how can you say you don't like beer? There's so many different kinds of beer. And I'm like, well, all, as far <laughs> as my experience has been, every beer that I've tried tastes something like beer. And I don't like the flavor of beer. I don't like the beer flavor. To me, it tastes like sweat. And no thanks. So, uh, but I've, if someone says, here, try this mm-hmm. beer, yeah. you probably will like it. I will try it. Yeah. And then I, I will, almost 99.9% of the time, I'll say, yep, I know. Don't like two it. Two beers I like that I can think of the top of my head. And I'm not a beer guy. I'm like Joe for the most part. Um, <laughs> I can't even think of the name. Michelob Ultra. That's Wuss beer. And I had what they called vice beer when I was in Hamburg back in 2017. And it was actually the only beer I would say is really good. I would choose to drink that. It's a very different, it's smooth and it actually tastes good. But yeah, I remember when I first tasted beer mm -hmm. when I was a kid, um, 12 or 13. And I was like, why do you guys drink this stuff? It tastes awful. And they're like, yeah, you get used to it. I'm like, why do you do that? That's so weird. Um, because of the effect, you know, alcohol and the buzz and everything. But it still seems weird. There's oh. got to be a way to get that buzz without having to put your taste buds through hell. Is ale and beer the same? I think there's a difference. You're asking the wrong dude. Yeah. I think pale ale, I've tried some pale ales. They're horrid. They are horrid. My problem is bitter tastes. Yes. Right. Not a big fan. So. That's why I don't like coffee either or tea, especially um, black tea, blackly, you know, it's, or yeah, black tea. It's the typical tea. All of, and beer, they all have a oh, very heavy bitterness to them, to me. And I don't like it. What about this? What about trad games versus indie games versus dungeon crawlers versus story games? I hate story games. You ever played one? Nope. You're, and when I play play it, I mean, have you ever tried to get into it? Have you ever just tried and given it a shot? You know, and the closest you, you let your biases go. Oh, I'm not doing. I wouldn't like that. I would not like an indie game like Dungeon World. No way. Well, I'm not sure if I would like Dungeon World. Probably not. Or Probably not. not. But for me, when a game gets too talky and not enough action i get bored really fast you know, yeah we're not accomplishing anything we're just talking between each other yeah and a lot of the indie games and the story games non-trad games they tend to get talky i mean if you're gonna play i mean if you're gonna play a game like horse girl what else can you really do but do weird talky talky <laughs> you know um, dialogue in movies mm-hmm. and between characters in books, mm-hmm. fine. At the role-playing table, you know, people will say, well, that's what role-playing is. And I'm like, well, that's part of it, but it's not mm-hmm. the whole thing. Yep. Yeah, Armin says he's not a fan. And I think you can say that. I think it's okay to have, like, preferences. It's okay not to even try it. So I'll never try that stupid game. Um, but games like, uh, say, Dread. We play with the Jenga Tower. That is not our general cup of tea. No. It's definitely got action, though. 
Yeah. It's horror. It's got horror. It's got fear. But you're but you're not the you're generally. But it's not all narration. It absolutely is. There's no until until dice. the DM or the GM, whatever the person's called, right? The dreader, dreadmaster, dreadmaster, <laughs> um, tells you to pull a Jenga stick out, right? But, but that's I mean, your only that's your only game mechanic, really. Well, it's like when we played um, years ago before we really knew Evil Hat very well. We played the Dresden RPG file uh, game, and um, Dresden file RPG. I said that wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dresden files RPG, right? And uh, which the books are beautiful. And Joe and I got in, and we're like, ah, I'm not really sure sure what we're supposed to do, because your stats are like two or three sentences about your character. And you have this little chart, this little ladder thing you roll the fudge dice with. And I was like, ah, that's weird. And what we tried to get into it, I think the right set of people could make it fun, but it's still pretty much a story game. Um, having said that, I'm always willing to try uh, games like that. But I'm also more the guy that can kind of get into the talky talky more than Joe. So I didn't look at Dread as an RPG. I looked at it. I looked at it, and maybe it is, but I looked at it as a fun, um, fun game we can play. Party game, one shot party, party game kind of deal, like were Werewolf. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one would call Werewolf a role playing game. Nobody with any sense, right? But it has a similar feel to it, and we do our best to inject RP. I always right. try. Right. I'm always acting like I'm the mayor, even if I'm not. Right. So. Um, I consider more like that than an RPG, but it was fun because we played with a bunch of guys that we have a good time playing role game, role playing games with. And, Oh, (laughs) Mac is talking about werewolf, the apocalypse. We're not talking about that. No, 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 no. There's a, a game called werewolf. It's really a fireside game where, Everybody, the cards are passed out, and there's a couple people designated as the werewolf, and everybody else is a is a villager, and you're you're just eliminating people until either there's more werewolves than villagers or more. Yeah, villagers. it's a party game, dude. Yeah, it's not a party game. Yeah, you're thinking of uh, it's not White Wolf. Yeah, and you I, know, you know, people will say there's a strategy to it. Later, Larry Elliott, he's bugging out. I think we're going to see you Saturday night. You might be seeing Joe Friday night. I don't know. Oh, fr- oh Friday night's our game. Is that our game? That's our game. Ooh, I think it is. Yeah, we better so be ready. Friday night is us playing online, and then Saturday is us getting together and eating food. And pretending like we're having a business meeting. And for pretending. <laughs> Play pretend. Um, what about play styles? What, especially, let's just, I know we got to wrap this up here pretty soon, but what about like first person, what is it? First person. Is when you're when you're talking like you're your character. Like if I'm like, you know, I welcome to my abode, Roger of Rogeria. Right. Versus like my character invites Joe into the house, right? My dude does my tune, <laughs> and that that's third person, right? When I say my tune does something, or he 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 does this. Yeah. What's what's you second? could say. You could say, I think second person, I don't know exactly how you do that unless you use that person's name, that character's name. So you mm-hmm. could say. Uh, Thank you. Max says first and third. Thanks for the clarification. I lean heavily toward first. I'm a first person role play guy. I, I prefer it. When I'm playing hundred percent, I want to do that. And I want time. I want my spotlight. <laughs> I want a chance to be my dude. And, uh, uh, but Joe's like, 
And it's not that he won't be his dude. He'll get into it sometimes, but you're more of a third person guy, right? More third. I don't, I don't purposefully do either. Right. You're just whatever hits you right. at the moment. But saying I and me when we're role-playing seems weird. So I tend to not because it just seems weird. That's not, that's not me. That's my character. So my character does these things. I direct my character. <laughs> Thurston now the force says there's a blue gla glare on Joe's mic makes him look gay. It does. How does Joe's the glare look, make me look? It looks like a total homosexual. It's my mic. Maybe the mic. And is I, not that I know what one looks like per se, but if I did, it would definitely be that dude over there. Not me. I'm never what? gay. But Joe's told. Well, I don't, I don't. What did you just say? I was Nothing. staring at my game. You're my hero. I said, Joe is my favorite guy on the planet. Oh, so, well, cool. Yeah. But I was talking about how you look gay. I was agreeing with Thurston Hell. So, yeah, this light, I've tried to figure out a way to, I guess I could just do this. You should. The whole, the whole podcast. You should have your podcast. Over that. The whole, the oh, whole he, says that's, he said, that's more gay. So don't do that. <laughs> he called you a mo. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that the shorthand for that? Oh man, mo? dude. Yeah. Who called me a mo? Yeah. Who said mo? Did you say mo? Was that you? No, Mac was saying, I believe Mac was talking third person about Thurston Howe the Fourth. Oh, a lot of people like talking in first person because, you know, a That's lot of these do. role playing games, for some reason, they want to put in the rule book that it's about the act, play acting part. And I'm like, I don't care what you say. I play this game the way I want to. You shut up. I agree with Kill Raven, though. This is how I feel. Joe doesn't have to. First person helps you get more invested in what's going on. And it helps me make makes. I make better decisions that are less that are less based upon pure mechanics. Not that you can't, Joe. I know you, you were playing a game, but I'm role-playing too. That's for me. That adjective of the game is important. It doesn't mean it has to be for everybody, but it yeah. is for me. And I have more fun but when I, I try yeah. to be somebody else. I, I'm not saying it's not important. I'm just saying it being a game is more Yeah, important. you like that. Well, you could argue it's the noun. The game yeah. is the noun. The role-playing is the adjective. It's the, right. it, adds it's the little, right. it adds the flavor. Flavor, flavor. Yeah, that's all it does. So. Right, so... First person helps you, well, helps kill Raven. Kill Raven is saying this. First person helps you get more invested in what is going on in the game. It helps kill Raven. Then it helps Randy. It helps Joe. It, it doesn't. Joe. It doesn't do one do anything for me one way or the other. I'm Fair invested enough. in the game. Randy can Fair. attest to that. Yes, he is, and that's and that's Third, not first, a problem. Second, tenth, doesn't matter. Oh, look at this! Role playing grows your artistic ability as an actor, and you know that's what I want to do. Yeah, I definitely, yeah, I use my, I expect my pronouns to be used. <laughs> uh, okay. You guys sound so much smarter with Mahler playing in the background. Who's Mahler? I don't know who's Mahler, but that's funny. I'm Mahler? sure it's somebody that, I don't know. <laughs> that looks like a familiar probably name. probably should know who Mahler is. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm, be, I'm be, dude. Thanks, Thurston. You were like laying some sweet comments. I think that's I all know. I want to talk about. Biases are fun, but. I don't know if we can really get around them. No, well, we can get around biases a little bit. Um, preferences, you can't. No, no. Really, you have preferences. You can ignore them, perhaps. Um, what? Mahler mu movie music. The Boston Super Mario? 
Is that who Mahler is? Think movie music. No. Tell me who Mahler is. Don't <laughs> Mahler's give me a 19, clues. Tell it's me a 1974 movie called Mahler. Yeah, I, I, that doesn't help me any. Thurston House, too. He's Especially if it's recent <laughs> movies, because I haven't seen too many of them. No. Uh, <laughs> all right. Mainly because I have biases and they keep me out of the theater because I don't want to. They won't let Joe go watch the new Star Wars. Flady said something about Star Wars. Do you agree that the new Star Wars is trash? Or were you saying, is this not Star Wars anymore? Is it still Star Wars? Well, That's what Flady still... said. Okay. I think it's technically still Star Wars. It's technically still Star Wars. It's in the Star Wars universe. It's just poorly done. Yeah, it's very poorly done, Star Wars. Yeah, it's it Star is. Wars. It is. Oh, uh, hijacked. Oh, okay. It's hijacked by the. Uh... Oh, he's a composer. Yeah. Oh, cool. He said so. He's playing like the flight of the Valkyrie. We're sounding super smart, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, Star Wars, the uh, recent Star Wars, is Star Wars. It has later, all Mac, the... Be good, brother. See you later. Yeah, it's woke crap. You, it you got some people injecting their their biases into the movie instead of into the story, into the um, established characters, because they want a woman to be the Jedi. Yep. Because they said the f- force is female. They all had T-shirts. The um, the writers and that producer they had the force is female on a, a T-shirt, and that was their. That was their whole thing. They wanted to they wanted to uh, kill off or discredit all the male characters except for that the uh, effeminate guy. So, all right, Thurston Howell no. heading out. He's heading out tonight. I think we're. I think we need to start thinking about it. Uh, no comments from me. I don't know if Big Geek Emporium's got something to say. Oh, Kill Raven's right. Yep, Star Wars is the stinker. You know, we we have, and this is the thing, though. Yes, I don't like it, but you know, I don't really, I don't think about it that much. I, I watch the Star Wars I like. Yeah, I'll play the D and D I like. I'll play the other RPGs that I like. I don't have to. I don't have to whinge about what they're doing out in the world. I could. It's not going to do anybody any good, and I will offer my opinions. Yeah, I like. Um... I like to whinge a little, but I'm at the point now to where, oh, what was he saying? Weird guy says, I like Rogue One and Solo. I liked Rogue One and Solo was okay. Episode seven through nine. I tried to like that so hard. I gave it all I could and I watched them all in the theater and I regret it. (laughs) Hard man. The next Star Wars movie should be pretty good and diverse. (laughs) Let's just hope they don't bother. But they're the thing they're is they're going to keep through. going to the well. Ray Palpatine, baby, be ready for it. What? What Palpatine? Ray Palpatine. Oh, the new yeah. Ray, the chicky poo. She's coming back, I think. No, she she called herself a Skywalker at the end of the. Yeah, correct, her, her, correct. Uh, but I said it right, Ray Palpatine. Yeah, but it is Palpatine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, <laughs> Kill Raven says. He hated the. He always hated the Yuzhan Vong. Heard a lot of fans of the extended universe said that, but compared to what Disney has done, <laughs> that shit's gold. <laughs> Yuzhan yeah. Vong. What's they that? were a bio. They were bio weapon. Uh, group of people that came from like out past the outer rim. This is in the extended stories, and I think they were like a little. Um, 
a little, um, oh, I don't dislike Daisy Ridley. I agree, weird guy. I don't think she's horrendously bad. I thought she was fine in the first movie. I just didn't like all the stuff they did with her. And there were some good actors. There were some good ones in there. I like the guy that played, uh, who's Luke's nephew? The main bad guy. Yeah, he's a good okay. actor. Yeah, he's fine. I just, I do the, you know, whatever. Everybody knows what it is. She's a freaking Mary Sue. She's the She's on the poster card of Mary Sue. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, let's, uh, I think we should get out of here, Joe. So there's not much to report, right? Oh. <laughs> Arn Man asks, isn't Palpatine what you do to see if your rabbit is pregnant? <laughs> I don't know. I think he's I think the word he's looking for is maybe palpate. Palpitate. <laughs> I don't know. When you palpate something, you hold like you can um you press down and feel for movement or a or a pulse or something like that. And when you're checking a pulse, it's called palpate. Palpate. Okay. Palpate. Right. Yeah, you yeah. Clarified. Palpate. The right word. Palpate. Right. You to know, be, and, hmm? go ahead. Kill Raven says, to be fair, Rogue One, Rebels cartoon. And the extra Clone Wars season were good, but that all harkens back to what came before. Yeah. Yeah, that's when they cared about that stuff. You know, now they just want to D-I-E everything. I mean, it's just... And the actors, I can't really blame the actors on one hand because they're just doing what they're told. I mean... They want Harrison, a job. Yeah, Harrison Ford phoned it in and they killed him and it was stupid. So... Yeah. Anyway, on that groovy note... Happy note. Mm -hmm. um, watch the old stuff. It's better. Is what I will say. I don't. I don't think oh. we have anything except we do need to do a big, um, big geek land because we need yes. an update on big the geek. geek con. Con. Well, I got a response from the lady at uh, the Sheraton, uh, the Four Point Sheraton in Saginaw. Big Geek Con two is going to happen. I think those dates are going to work. She has, uh, by the way, Joe. She's offered us the same space for the same price. And I'm going to go talk about to a price hike mm -hmm. and I'm going to go and I'm thinking about adding more space. I think I'm going to take a chance and just buy another room and believe that people, that if you believe it, they will come. <laughs> so we'll see. So when you're saying, okay, the meeting January 15th, January 15th, I'm meeting with the four points to nailed everything down, signed the contract. And then when I come back, I think I can say, with 99.9% .9 certainty, it's going to be the 20th to the 22nd. Okay. But we, we, need, we need to talk this Saturday during our CabinCon meeting and hammer out some things. Okay. Just to make sure we're going to do it that way. Yeah, it was a good crowd last time. Absolutely. Folks should show up. Um, Martinson says, uh, actually, the next Star Wars is going to be the season four of The Mandalorian. Yeah. Mandalorian started out okay, but wasn't my wasn't my cup of tea but lady says it was a good crowd at the first big geek con i want to have another i want to have a bigger one doesn't need to be massive we're going to do a little bit more advertising but we'd love to see everybody that could come out there and for 30 dollars for three days not three full days one full day and well two full days if you do because we're thinking half on friday half on sunday and a full day on saturday 30 bucks you can't beat that with a stick dude no so and we'll do some sweet gaming i'll be running I got to run Dungeons and Delvers. I promise that. So that's got to be one game that I'm running for sure. That means um, you need to maybe run it a little bit before. David said I could just read the adventure and run it. Okay. Well, just do that and see how it goes. Dungeons and Delvers is next on the list. And horror but it's a, a D20 version 
Yeah, you've you've run a lot of D20 version games, so it shouldn't be that different. It shouldn't be. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. All right. I think that's all I got to report. Anything on the BGEN? Anything new? No, there were some uh, reports of it being slow, but I checked it, and it was snappy on my end when I reloaded it and tried to load it from a couple of different browsers. So it was slow initially, and I know I need to get in there and delete a bunch of older email and probably delete a bunch of... um, there, I looked in there one time. There were some really funky usernames, like people, you know, poking fun. Mm-hmm. So I might go in there and call a bunch of users out of there too. Uh, Martin yeah, Martinson's going to run a second part to, an, to his Aliens game. I imagine if Flady make it, makes it, he might do a little more riffs action. We had a lot of games. We'll have some Horde Wars stuff. The Horde Wars guys, hopefully both of them are going to make it this time. Um, Arn Man says he's going to sign up for the floor <laughs> is lava game. I, I missed that one, but it looked pretty exciting, dude. Yeah. It looked uh, good, I have to admit. Oh, no, that. Yeah. So He's running his two-part alien games, not second. Oh, I, think I, two, oh, my, I think he's doing two, part. two parts. Look at him do that. Yeah, he's talked about a little bit about that. It should be a should be a dandy. He ran, What did he run last year? DCC, I think, Josh? Is that what you ran last time? I can't remember. I can't remember. Yeah. All right. Um, but he's got a couple of mods. So, yeah, come on out. You'll get to game your butts off. Oh, oh I do want to note mm-hmm. one thing about this time around for Big Geek Con. I'm going yeah. to try to set up on um, tabletop events a way for there to be um, people to sign up for games <gasps> and, for, cool. and for DMs to submit their games. So to make it um, less of a... Uh, spreadsheet shuffle between everybody. Uh, Martinson and Flady both corrected me. It was X Crawl Pathfinder. Oh yeah, that's right. That's probably number two for Josh after De- Deadlands. He's a big fan of X Crawl. He loves that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, we'll be there. We'll game our butts off. We'll be giving away stuff. We'll be eating good food. We'll be hanging out, and we'll have so much fun, and we'll be able to stand ourselves. So we will have to anyway. sit ourselves. So um, look, guys. Uh, Check all the links and all the stuff we talked about before. It's all going to be in the show notes. I think that's all we really say, right, Joe? We yeah. Don't have any more plugs? Until stuff we do anymore. our sign off, we're just going to have all of our links in the show notes. Yeah. For the things that you can, where you can find us and where you can help us out, send us messages, all that kind of stuff. Links in the show notes. Oh man, yawning. Had to work two days so far this week. I got to work two more before I get a long weekend. It's sad. Well, I get a long weekend. You do. That's sweet, man. We should hang out. No, I don't have a three-day weekend like you do, but I have a two-day weekend. Four? Oh, that's right. Saturday. Friday. Friday. Yeah, Friday's the weekend. Let's be honest. For you. <laughs> For me. You ready to get out of here, bro? I am. Thanks to everybody. Um, have a good night. This is Randy. This is Joe. And remember, if you can't be big like us, be geeks like us. <laughs>